evening, gorgeous people. I'm Aaron Ryan and welcome to the Big Brother After Show eviction interview. Tonight, it was the end of the road for Estelle. What a big week. Evicted, then not evicted, then second chance challenge, and then evicted again. Estelle holds the record for the most nominated housemate in Big Brother history. Estelle, thank you for joining me tonight. Oh, thanks for having me, Aaron. Oh my God, yes. What a wild week. <laughs> yes, it has been. Look, I know a popular question would be why you think you are the most nominated housemate in Big Brother history. Now, I'm starting <laughs> to think, think, though, that the most interesting point is why are you nominated so much but then saved so many times? It's like I'm wondering why people want to put you up but actually don't want to evict you. Yeah, it's bizarre. I mean, totally, two totally different experiences with that, obviously with 2012 being that the housemates were really, you know, they didn't have the power, the public did. They were trying to get me out, but it ended up being their demise. Anyone they put up against me was the one going home. And then this time around, it's like, I keep getting put up, but somehow fighting my way back out. I guess the only thing that runs between the two, Aaron, is that somehow there's this fight, whether it's inside or outside the house to save me. It's wild. Hmm. Look, there's been a lot of history with Tim, but but last night there was this beautiful group hug with um, Tim and Reggie and yourself. What was happening in that moment? That was beautiful and incredible. And it felt like, like it was really warm. And I was like, oh my God, here's this moment that both Reggie and I have been desperately just praying for. That was our ideal top three at different parts of the game. And it was just kind of a human of, oh my God, look at how far we got. And I think it was really beautiful amongst everything that's been going on um, to have that. Mm. Oh, look, I'll ask about um, Tim, but before I do, let me ask you about the whole game plan, which is this heart versus head thing. Can you tell me exactly what you mean when you're saying you're, you're playing a heart game? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a contentious issue. You heard so much about it through the season, inside, outside the house. And I've grown and learned and evolved even outside the house about this. Um, it's kind of nuts. So I say I'm playing a heart game in that I consider, like this is my version, obviously. I consider, I don't just, I never even really understood, for example, numbers, the numbers. People talk about doing the numbers, that people are not numbers to me. People mm. are connections and human and there's a human experience going on and I did feel like sometimes the commentary which doesn't mean this is any lesser game being a head player but it was straight away people were thinking the numbers they were crunching you know alliance-based stuff so I think it's all about um for me it was what I saw human experience before I saw numbers and winning a game. It's just kind of like, whereas other people see numbers and strategy, but they're also working with people they want to work with. But it's silly because neither game is better than the other, but I just think it's funny because I did feel like through my season that was used against me. People, it was two sides mm. of the story, Aaron. I either kept getting called, I was too hard player and wasn't playing with enough strategy and head. Or like then I get called out when I do make a strategic move saying, oh, it's strategic. You have to be aligned with heart. So it's just crazy because you can't have one without the other. It's just, it is a confusing, weird label, to be honest, even though I do say I'm a heart player. Um, but I'm more meant that I'm an emotional player. I mm. wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm unafraid of doing that. I'm not just going number strategy, number strategy, number strategy. Well, you said to Tim that he's always concerned about his own game and not caring about others. He said he's playing his own game and, and that's the whole point. 
So I guess my yeah. question is, is it really possible to win Big Brother just with integrity and friendship and, and not do the whole, you know, secret alliance, blindside stuff? Is, is it possible to win? I think absolutely it is possible. And again, I'm not attacking Tim as a player and the game that he played. It's not about making moves in the game for me or I like, I just didn't really like deals early in the game, but it's not because the deals are being made. It's more the context and the, the honesty around it. Like I wouldn't have cared on whatever Johnson was doing or Tim were doing if I didn't think I was working in a team with Tim. Do you know what I mean? So like yeah. I have no problem with anyone else's strategic moves and what they're doing. It's only if you are relying on them, you're passing sacred game information that, can undo your game and putting trust in them to make moves with you thinking they're your ally but they're actually using it against you do you know what I mean it's kind of like I did like Drew's game in the end because more because at least I knew he was being upfront. if he was coming for you he was ballsy and he was telling you you know so it's kind of like I do feel like you can play a game without all the blindsiding and I know that's probably what people also do love to see some people love that but, and it's not about having integrity or not. I think it's more just if you are giving people commitment, you're working with them. That's kind of a next level for me that I, I just couldn't do that myself in the game. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't give up that part of myself from outside the house for $250,000. Doesn't mean anyone's a bad person. Just means that is not my game. So was the friendship with Tim bigger than the game? Like, has, it, has there been healing um, since since Big Brother's finished or is, is it still a little bit sort of contentious between you two? I'll kind of compartmentalise that. We'll talk like not, because, I mean, we can't pretend that what happened on social media recently hasn't happened and it wasn't nice and I'm going to just say that. Yeah. But if we actually talk about the friendship with Tim, it's probably the thing I grappled with the most in the game, which is also a bit of my naivety. You know, Tim's played Big Brother Canada I hadn't even watched this style of show. I didn't have an idea really of the strategy. And I guess I always, silly me, had thought, not just with Tim, but in general, I wouldn't sell my friends down the river for a game. Mm. And I guess Tim's just kind of defense is that he was always playing for himself, which is fine, but he was taking protection from the Alliance. He's taking protection from people by, by saying he's working with them. So it's hard with our friendship because I did think something transcends the game. I've always loved him dearly, um, but I'm not going to pretend that our friendship hasn't been damaged from probably more what's happened outside of the game, but it was difficult for me in the game with Tim, you know, because if I didn't have that, if I didn't have that expectation of our friendship being above the game, I really would have made things easy for me in that house. Mm. Well, but that's me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess then then the next one was was Taras. Um, you almost seemed, and this is just from a viewer watching on the show, you seemed seemed more shaken with him than than Tim to a point. What was it about Taras that really annoyed you? Yeah, it definitely is accurate what you've said. Tim, I it took time, but I finally you get see at a midway point, I actually like when he nominates me and other stuff, like I actually had the expectation with Tim that he would do that and he was playing his own game and it's only when I see the deals and stuff I go oh my god Tim I was right you were lying and then I get on with it but I still was then open to work with Tim again with Taras it is the emotional side for me because I he he truly re reeled me in and he'll have his own truth obviously but I felt like 
he was so making me feel like I was working with him. And when it's, it's a difference between, it's different if you say, I'm going to save you. And then you keep saying that I went against that and things changed. It's that he would talk to me knowing he was manipulating me. He would talk to me knowing he was going to be putting me up and throwing me under the bus at that time. And it just, that just, it hurt me because I really genuinely heart to heart believed him. Mm. So it's my naivety, but it actually hurt me because I didn't expect it. And I go out because of this move um, and the me choosing to trust someone, which isn't the worst, but it's been the most hurtful, like as far as a move. Well, let's do the the elephant in the room, I guess. Um, and <laughs> the, the challenge when you were against Taraz, it yeah. seemed, now I'm just going from from the viewer point of view, because I, 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 I've, totally. I've watched it again. It seemed that you did a deal with him that if you stepped down, he, he would not put you up. Um, yeah. You say he lied and he, and he broke that promise. Now, again, I'm only going on what I saw. It seems that, yeah. you, that you didn't step down. It was like you decided to remain and try to beat him. Then you had a moment of pain and then you slipped. And you looked like you were trying to regain your posture to then get back up and, um, and then stay on there. But you actually fell. Yeah. That's, just, that's just how I read it. But I mean, you were there in the totally. moment. The, the editing is, is quick and, and, and it changes. Would you say in reflection that you, that you really stepped down? Yeah. So I can't, I got to, this is a little bit to unpack a little bit, but you know, it's the, it's the defining moment, I guess, of, of my experience. And it's funny because watching it back, I go, oh yeah, I can see how genuinely people thought I didn't step off, but that's also because, so I'll just paint it. This is the first, and this is so funny because it's conflicting for me to say out loud, right? Because I, I literally do go, I hate deals. I also say I would never throw a challenge. That's what's been in my head the whole time, right? But when we got to the kind of top 10, I was like, shit's changed. You have to kind of make strategic moves. And it's funny. This is the one time I tried this strategic move. I'm standing on that clock and it's Taras and I, and, and you don't see it, but we've been talking for about half an hour and I'm going, you're safe with me, Taras. You're safe with me. And he's going, you're safe with me. But his idea is, well, why didn't she step off? But I was sitting there going on that clock and yeah, um, it was painful, but you saw I did three hour challenges time and time again, mm. pushing through pain and endurance is my thing. And this is just like yoga twist art, my thing. But I was sitting there going, okay, this is the first time I tried a strategy move. You can laugh, right? I go, all right. So I actually really do want Tim on side. What happens if I win? I'd made a commitment that I wasn't going to put Taras up and I was standing by that, but I was going to put Taras, I'm sorry, Tim, Johnson and Alicia up with Johnson being the target because it would force Tim to actually finally put that point on Johnson, prove that he's not working with him. And then I'm like, yes, I would have, you know, we'll, we'll yeah. get Tim to do that. But I realized when I was standing up on those pegs, if I did that, Tim would go home because they would blindside him. So based on the conversations that I'd had with Taras, he promised I was safe and his combination he said he was going to use was um, Johnson, Tim, and then someone else. And I was like, oh, I've got to vote. I'd be able to save Tim if he puts Tim up. I'm safe, so I don't need to win this challenge. If he puts Tim up, I'll be able to save him and we'll finally have this thing because we actually even talked about a trio of Taras, Tim and Estelle at one stage, like early on, but it just didn't happen because of things. Mm. So I finally was like, you know what? Okay, if you're going to lose this challenge, because you could win, I could I could have stood up there for another two hours. I get, I'm like, you know, if I'm going to do this, um, you've got to 
like throw this challenge and I didn't fight like I I fully you'll see I kind of I didn't just step off but I kind of go oh I'm struggling and then step off and it's just so contrary and I'll be honest to the game that I've played the person that I am and I feel like I actually had a connection it's like what we're doing but that's easy in hindsight so it's complicated but Mm. I truly tried to make a dumb strategy move to say because I didn't want to I didn't want him to go I actually didn't want him to go and it's so stupid but it's I own it I own it it cost me my game cost me my game there we go well we've cleared that up so you ended up getting to obviously the eviction the votes were five to zero a very emphatic choice there did, did that hurt and, and the only reason I asked that because from from my eyes I saw it more as a, a keeping Reggie thing than a getting rid of Estelle thing so I didn't take yeah. a, offense of you it, it was just people wanted to keep Reggie and then so there was only one person to get rid of and that was you yeah and that's that is so the five zero that's what it felt like to me it didn't hurt right in that respect um that vote didn't hurt it was actually the one before excuse me the tim estelle vote when i went out with the fake eviction first when it was Mm. like i was expecting brenton to have my back and i thought maybe alicia that one hurt more because I, I had trust there. I'd save Brenton. I'd also said that Alicia would never be my target at, at that point in the game, but that didn't come true. So the 5-0, honestly, I was like happy to go down to Reggie in that way. Even when I'm campaigning in that room, I had to fully go and talk to Big Brother. And I was like, I don't want to take this experience away from Reggie because I've tried to champion her to be here in this game. And it was only through talking to Big Brother that he's like, you know, you've got to campaign so I actually it couldn't have gone I couldn't have as far as being evicted against someone it couldn't have gone down better I would love Reggie to stay over me if anyone from from my point of view you you've got a, a little piece of your heart uh, for Reggie don't you there was a there was a challenge in episode eight I think it was that you were very emotional um and you you said that you did it for Reggie um what is that connection you have with Reggie Oh, I'm getting emotional <laughs> talking about it, Aaron. Um, she is an incredible person and her story is so powerful. And I mean, we'll talk about more my upbringing and I guess different parts of my personal life. But I saw a woman who has battled through so much adversity and is so inspiring. Mm. Sorry, I'm getting really emotional. Um not just with her disability and her sight, but, you know, just her her son Lucas having cystic fibrosis, like just that she still gets up every day. You know, she was cooking in that house, cleaning in that house. She was giving challenges beyond anything that anyone could have expected of her. Like she literally, she like tore muscles in her legs. She hurt herself all the time. She got bloody concussed, like all this stuff happened. And I just, I just connect to her as a human and go, wow, she's inspiring. So, um, and it, it's just a love that I will have forever. And I love a bloody underdog. And I love, I love Reggie's story and who she is as a person. She's kind and she's courageous. Mm. Ah, this is not a great segue to go to, to, uh, to, to, <laughs> go. A, to a quick game of uh, choose a housemate, uh, Estelle, but then I do want to get onto some more personal stuff, but I've done this with every housemate. So very quickly, choose a housemate. Who's the most genuine? Uh, Reggie and um, Jules. Okay. Um, most non-genuine then? Oh, it's hard because I generally would just be diplomatic and say no comment, but I mean, it's kind of obvious in the gameplay of Terrasse. 
um, in what we see, you know, what he was in. Gen- but he might be more genuine outside of the house. I wouldn't know. So who, who's the most you'd like to connect with on the outside? Who, who's your new uh, girlfriends? I mean, it's obvious, you know, with Reggie, so we won't even go there. It's pretty obvious that Gabs and I are close. Jules, Tully, Lulu, the gal pals. But I love Dave and I actually really love Josh. And then I can also say I love Joel. Like there's so many people that I love. But can I just say like one thing is I wish Josh was there longer because he just would have been so interesting to watch. And he's actually such a sweetheart and we didn't get to see that side of him. Yeah. In terms of the newbie housemates, who who do you think could go the furthest? Oh, is it a, oh, it's a kind of hard question because it's like, who do I want versus who will go the furthest? Um, I mean, it's obvious that anyone who's strong in challenges is going to have a massive advantage here, which we've seen from Taras. Um, everyone has their own merits. Like Johnson is quite a strategist, you know, in his, in his head and he's been good at that. And Alicia, she's a hustler. Oh, it's, it, it's hard to say. I can't answer it, to be honest. All right. And this, this is obvi- probably an obvious one, but who would you like to win Big Brother? It is obvious that it's totally Reggie, obviously. Mm. Duh, completely. <laughs> Even though people, I've heard like whispers of, oh, she can't win it again. It's like, well, I think that she can. and She's been incredible and her journey is inspiring. All right. Let's switch this uh, interview to um, Estelle only. Um I want to say yeah. <laughs> from the outset that I'm a bit of a crier. I will cry over just about anything. But in saying that, okay. the prize that you that you won being able to hang out with that miniature horse or, or, or pony um, for a bit, I was flooding the room with tears because you could actually oh. see genuine joy um, on your face, like so genuine. Tell me about that and, and, and your own horses. It, it's, it seems to be such a beautiful connection. Oh, my God. Okay, so this is a way to raise a vibe. Hey, ah, I'm a cry too, and I think that's beautiful because it's, like, so human. Horses are my saving grace. I'm not even going to pretend anything. Like, having that pony, it's so funny. Every day in the diary room, every single day, I'm like, big brother's like, is there anything else to sell? And I'm like, a pony. Please, can I have a pony? Can you do something about a pony? That and a lavender plant, but pony is so much better. But horses, um, I came from a very low socioeconomic background, let's just say, to say the least. I grew up single mom on the pension, which sounds really bizarre because horses sound like they're for rich girls in the way that in in my life, believe me, they are not. I've had to work very hard. But they are this amazing, they're like all animals, but they have this ability. They can read people's emotions on their face, right? They can actually sense everything. And they are a horse that they are. They're an animal that try to assimilate and they actually absorb pain and grief. Mm. So my connection, I will not even joke and say that they've saved my life multiple times, particularly through my childhood, because, you know, there's been a lot of addiction. There's been a lot of, um, you know, really kind of untoward things happen in and around my childhood with um, people around me and where I was living and everything. And it's like horses kept me grounded, safe, and they are just so beautiful and I owe my life to them. You, you are a big um, advocate in animal rights and environmental protection. Um, you fight for what is right. You stick by your beliefs, um, your people, your yes. animals. That is who you are. And, and we see that in the house. Unless you know these things about you um the way that you're 
you are in the house doesn't have context. So I don't want this to be a this is your life type thing, but can, can you give me some, you alluded to it a little bit in the last question, but give me some more context about your life growing up um, to give more understanding to who this fiery but but passionate woman you are. Yeah, and I'm really first, like, thank you for, you know, acknowledging that, Aaron. Um, you don't see, and it's something that we don't touch on, I talked about my mum just now, but I one of my main reasons for going on the show and what I believe actually kept some of this resilience and this fire, and the reason I am who I am is because of my mum. So she died um, one year before I got the phone call, um, like, on the day, to the day, I got a call on her one-year death anniversary from producers saying, do you want to do the show? But my mom, um, she was a humanitarian. She worked, she's a foreign correspondent journalist for time. Like she set up one of the first refugee camps on the Thai-Cambodian border back in like, this is in the 70s, you know, and my mom always believed to fight for those that didn't have a voice. That includes environment, animals, everything. Like she, she dedicated her entire life and even when she couldn't work because she had so many of her own pains and injuries, she always had a voice for others and would give anyone the shirt off her back. So I guess I was so lucky to be raised by this strong, fierce, intelligent woman that helped shape me to who I am. And her biggest quote is justice would always justice will always prevail if someone's willing to stand up for it and be unafraid to stand alone. So it kind of, you do see it through both of my big brother experiences in that you'll notice that I am quite comfortable if it is just me even having an opinion. Um, and as far as animal rights and, and environmental protection, it's just a no-brainer. Like I was always friends with the outcasts at school. I would never be in one group. I was always floating between people. If anyone was getting bullied, I would stand up for them. Even if then I got bullied, it didn't matter. I would always have a voice and even with the journey you know you didn't see heaps with Lulu and I but I believe that when you have suffered and I'm not saying that my life is the worst but I have suffered a lot of emotional pain and trauma when you have suffered through something yourself I believe that you would if you you would never want anyone else to go through that so I like to I guess try and protect people from if I can if I've got a voice and they don't like I you know I'm going to use it and I mm. and I, I'm going to cop it, and often I get myself in trouble because I'll I'll stand up for others before myself. And I mean, we even saw that in that challenge with Reggie. Like, I was not in danger, but I heard she and others were, so I was willing to stick my neck out. It's just who I am, and it's kind of what cost me my game, but it's who I am. Yeah, and and it's a beautiful thing. Um, look, I'm sorry to say, Estelle, that you did you did fail one thing in the house. Um, in the questions before entering the Big Brother house, you were asked what you would do differently this time around, and you answered that you would be a little more careful uh, of your um, empathetic, sensitive heart. I, I think you failed there. I think your heart shone through, um, <laughs> and there was no way of playing that down. I, I think it was a beautiful and a great fail. What do you think? I have to agree with you, and it's actually funny because we had to play a video to ourselves when we the day after we got um, evicted and my it was like what what's your message to yourself and was play a play honest um play kindly but don't forget to play and I would like started crying because I was like wow I really did stick to that but I agree um again I went out because I chose my heart and to trust I went out because I chose that with trust and yeah 
you know what? I'm so damn proud of it. I'm so damn proud of it with what you're saying, you know. Um, I could have I could have got real cunning and 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 changed who I was and um for some money. I didn't do mm. it. I didn't do it. I just want to touch just on one thing that you were saying because I know that there's people listening that obviously that have, have lost parents um and the impact of the lockdowns and COVID. Now yeah. you, you you lost your mum during like during the whole COVID period, which which would have had all sorts of complications to do with hospital perhaps and funerals. I, I don't yeah. I don't know what your case is. How how much more of an impact was COVID um, you know, in relation to to, to your mum's passing? Oh, heavy, but so necessary to talk about. Um you know, people talk about when, when people die that you look for someone to blame, but I can tell you that genuinely this isn't a case of that. Um, so my mum, being in uh, Victoria, we suffered the hardest lockdowns. My mum was supposed to have what was, con- how this is defined as elective um, is beyond me, but she was supposed to have a heart surgery, quite a minor one, to zip up her heart. But because it was considered elective, it was pushed back through the lockdown quotas, basically, with what was happening. And she ended up having a stroke, which caused her to die. Now, that in itself is awful, right? But the real awfulness was that I was restricted access to her in her last days. I wasn't even allowed to see her for the first two days because I wasn't her registered carer. And then, you know, this is even me standing, I'll just say this is so me, like the last day I got with her coherent, like I'm sorry for anyone, this is this is quite heavy, but, I, you know, you're asking. I got 45 minutes with her and then I was forcibly removed by nurses. And the hardest thing was is I felt like at that time that these people, which they were just doing their jobs, I get it, but it was kind of like there was some pleasure taken in enforcing these draconian crazy things. It's like my mom was dying and I didn't get to be there and hold her hand. And it was just, I can't even tell you like how lockdowns affected me. I then had to go on as an only child to plan her funeral. And how do you dignify a woman of her life with 10 people? It just, I guess, I, I, it took such a toll. It broke my heart on this. This is only a quarter of the story um, on every level that it could, every level, every level. And to carry that through the show, I just had to actually thank the show because, because I was only focusing on myself and what was going on day to day. I actually had an incredible time to grieve and heal and it's something that was a real cherry on top I didn't think I would get from my experience I guess we can leave this um with this question in 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 your media profile it says um that you're returning to the house eight years later and and she hasn't changed a bit I mean (laughs) I don't know you're still a fight and always supporting the underdog and the the people in your alliance but I I wouldn't say that you haven't changed uh what's your assessment between eight years ago and now (sighs) it's been 10 now too which is even crazier um yeah that that media thing they got it wrong by you but I have I mean it's weird because I guess everyone evolves and changes. I think I've honestly just grown into more of myself and I was so young in 2012. Um, I'm just even more 
like set in my ways and I think that's a beautiful thing as well you know like I actually am still the same Estelle but I've just grown stronger and I think the beautiful part we saw this season was I fought back you know Mm. I really used my voice and um and my actions and I'm really proud of the game I played but I don't know I mean we all change but I'm still me (laughs) (laughs) Well, Estelle, you polarised a few, you upset a few, and you had a, had a couple of <laughs> blowouts. But, but what you did is you taught every young, or, or in fact, it doesn't matter the age, every, every woman that you can be strong, but have a real heart. Um, you can be yourself and be accepted by the people that count. And despite adversity or challenges, um, you, can, you can take charge of your own destiny in a way that is not selfish, but does take into consideration others, the world, um, and our animal friends as well. So thank you for joining me tonight. Oh, honestly, Aaron, your perception and just beautiful words are so validating. And, you know, we can all pretend, as I do say, I, I'll, I will do all these things anyway, but to have such beautiful insight come from you, I'm just grateful and thankful that you see me. And that's the biggest thing through this season, being seen, heard, and, and, and just thank you for having a beautiful heart yourself. It's gorgeous. Well, thank you. Um, that was Estelle, a big story. Uh, 15th evicted from Big Brother 2022. That's it for tonight. Thank you for listening. I'm Aaron Ryan. I'll be back with the 16th eviction very soon. Good night.